Before announcing the nominees for the best motion picture in comedy, comedian Jim Carrey addressed the Hollywood elite at the Golden Globes, and this is what he said. He said, I am two-time Golden Globe winner Jim Carrey. You know, when I go to sleep at night, I'm not just a guy going to sleep. I'm two-time Golden Globe winner Jim Carrey going to get some well-needed shut-eye. And when I dream, I don't just dream any old dream. No, sir. I dream about being three-time Golden Globe winning actor Jim Carrey because then I would be enough. It would finally be true. I could stop this terrible search for what I know ultimately won't fulfill me. (laughs) And the crowd, of course, laughed. But you'll wonder if the Hollywood elite actually had a little ping in their hearts about the truthfulness of such a statement. I mean, what is it that we human beings really need? Now, if you were to ask 70 million people about water, they would tell you what we need is clean water because 70 million people do not have access to clean water. That, to me, would seem like a need. In fact, every year, a half a million children die from waterborne diseases. That's an astounding stat. I mean, if you were to ask a razor-thin Brazilian who drinks out of a puddle what they really need, I doubt that you're going to get an answer, an iPhone. They're going to say, water, right? At the other extreme, consider this. Steven Spielberg needed to buy a new yacht. The Jaws director sold his $184 million yacht. Why? Because he needed to have one that was 18 feet longer that cost $250 million. Earlier in the year, The media talked about one high-profile divorce, and the court asked the spouse seeking child support to itemize her monthly needs. This is what the spouse wrote. Uh, By the way, it topped a million dollars. It included uh, $6,800 for groceries, $2,000 for stationery, $160,000 for vacation accommodations. We could have used that this past week, honey. $300,000 for a private jet. That's monthly, right? What do we really need? Now, there's nothing wrong with money, right? The question is, does this fill our hearts? In 2014, software giant Microsoft paid $2.5 billion to acquire Muyan, which is a Swedish company that created the game Minecraft and some other things. And the deal made Marcus Pearson a billionaire. Pearson promptly outbid Beyonce and Jay-Z for a $70 million home that he described as an overwhelming sensory experience, outfitted with M&M towers, vodka, tequila bars, a movie theater, and 15 bathrooms. And I I was actually counting ours in our house. That's more than what we have. Yeah, I verified that. Um, Each equipped with toilets, by the way, worth over $5,000. But listen, on August 29th of last year, Pearson posted a series of tweets early in the morning, 4.48 a.m. And these are verbatim. 
The problem with getting everything is you run out of reasons to keep trying, and human interaction becomes impossible due to imbalance. 4.50 a.m., hanging out with a bunch of friends and partying with famous people, able to do whatever I want, and I've never felt more isolated. 4.52 a.m., when we sold the company, the biggest effort went into making sure the employees got taken care of, and now they all hate me. 4.53 a.m., found a great girl, but she's afraid of me and my lifestyle. And she went with a normal person instead. Now, of course, it's easy to point to Hollywood and point to a mega millionaire and say, well, they're just foolish and they don't get it. I wouldn't be so quick to point a finger because, honestly, don't we do the same thing? Now, not maybe on such a scale, but looking to have our hearts satisfied in things that, well, don't. I mean, what is it that causes our hearts to rise in such anger at someone? Perhaps we were disappointed in a relationship or disappointed in this political leader, disappointed in a spiritual leader, and the chasm between expectations and reality creates this heart-shaped canyon. And no matter how many spouses you have, how many presidents we have, how many spiritual leaders we have, just fill in the blank. We still are angry, disappointed. What is it that causes a man or woman to be overcome with lust or sex or even material possessions? I mean, no matter how much time or energy is given to satisfy such desires, even if it turns into an addiction, it just seems like it's bottomless. There's no end to it, right? I mean, do we really think that we can have enough things or enough sex to where our hearts are going to be satisfied? What is it that causes people to give up on all previous definitions and social constructions we had of faith, of family, of sex, of gender, and we try to define for us our own meaning of life. And so we have all these new social constructions for every one of these things. We try to rewrite the rules, and yet our hearts are still aching. Whether it's disappointment, disillusionment, lust, addiction, seeking to invent some new social construct. It seems that we, as human beings, still are on this search. And we still can't, in and of ourselves, find what it is we're looking for. This uh, past week, I did a wedding. And uh, in it was a verse that I shared out of Proverbs. It said this, that under three things the earth trembles. A slave when he becomes king, a fool when he's filled with food, an unloved woman when she gets a husband. Now, the, the earth trembling, it's hyperbole. It's a, the, an exaggeration that things get really upset when these things happen. What was it saying? Well, when a slave becomes a king. In other words, when, when an unqualified person becomes a political leader. 
i.e. the 2016 American presidential elections. When a, when a fool is filled with food, in other words, when a person who has all this abundance does not know how to use it, and they, they just keep devouring, and they're insensitive to the needs of others. But the last one is a curious one. An unloved woman when she gets a husband. Now, this, it could be man or woman, but the idea is that when I have this hole in my heart and I seek to get it satisfied in somebody else, and I essentially create an idol out of that person, guess what? I'm going to be in for a big surprise. I'm going to be in for a big letdown, right? Because there's a hole in our hearts that even marriage cannot fill. And when that happens, then the sparks begin to fly, the blame game begins, and you're on a vicious cycle. And you're out looking for it in somebody else, and then that person doesn't work, and then it's somebody else. I mean, I thought my new partner would make me happy. I thought when we got a new president, things would get fixed. I thought when we get a, a new pastor, a new this or that, that things would really be better. Now, I know things will be a lot better if I could only make this amount of money. Then I'll be glad. And the list goes on and on and on, doesn't it? About what's going to fill our hearts. It's not that, it's not that sex or money or a spouse, obviously all those things are fine and good, but we look for them to do things that they are not designed to do. The list goes on. We're really not capable of meeting the needs of our own heart. In fact, I'm not even sure we can even diagnose our own hearts well. There are sometimes, if you were honest with ourselves, I don't even know what's going on in my heart. And there are times I'll try to sit before the Lord and I can't figure it out, right? You know, why did I do that? Or, or why is this going on? Or why do I have this feeling? And sometimes I just don't understand. But the, 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 the deal is, is that in, instead of feeling gratitude and and enjoying the beauty around us, and, and being thankful and appreciative. And I'm talking about Christians now, right? Okay, I'm not pointing the finger at all those other people out there. I'm talking about us here. We have a profound sense often of, of dissatisfaction, discontentment, disillusionment, disappointment. It's a lot of disses in there. I give you for your consideration this morning. I think the greatest thing that we could do for our dilemma. And that would be for us as individuals and for us as a community to behold our God. To just enjoy his presence. Only the worship of our triune, personal Jehovah God can fill the heart can satisfy the soul because there is a, a God-shaped need in all of us that only God, his presence, can meet. So we worship him. We, we worship him with our confession of sin. We worship him with our repentance. We worship him with our obedience. We worship him with our thanksgiving. We worship him with our praise. We worship him... Uh, when we kneel down, stand up, 
Worship is a pretty expansive thing, is it not? But we're to worship him, enjoy his presence, and, and respond to him accordingly. And that's really what I want us to do today, is just to learn to enjoy his presence and worship him. But let's do it within the context of reality, do it within the context of, of truth. And we do believe that there's such a thing as truth that exists, and, and God determines that, not me. But here's some of the things that we we see from the Word of God. I just wanted to kind of set our hearts, perhaps, in a, in a direction true north where it needs to be. Here's some things to consider. Hebrews 13, 5. Keep your life free from the love of money. Then say, keep your life free from money. Keep your life free from the love of money. And be content with what you have. For he has said, all right, now check out this next phrase. It doesn't say, he has said, make sure you save well. All right, uh, make sure your 401k, you know, you're, you're putting a good amount of that each month. Here is what it says. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. In other words, I go to try to get satisfied with this, it doesn't work. But I will never leave you or forsake you, it's my presence. It's me, Jesus. I will never leave you or forsake you. M- maybe the reason... That just seems way out there and not our experience is because we don't take even five minutes to enjoy his presence. Way too busy. Uh, Ecclesiastes 5.10 says this, He who loves money will not be satisfied with money. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This also is vanity. And by the way, that came from probably the richest guy ever to set foot on earth. When you count up all of his goods and all that he had in terms of of real estate and money. Then we read this in James. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. It's a way of saying that we can't expect to, you know, really secretly search for all these things over here. And then we'll kind of be a cultural Christian, you know. But I'm not really all in and expect that that is going to uh, fit the bill. There's a a double-mindedness to that. Are you truly satisfied in Christ? Truly all in? Truly allowing him to fill your heart? Or are you still searching for all these things? It's a fair question. Philippians 4.19 says, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Psalm 16.11 says this, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. You make known to me my path. Your presence brings joy. Psalm 17, 15. As for me, I shall behold your face in righteousness. When I awake, I shall be satisfied with your likeness. I will be satisfied with your presence. I am satisfied for how you have revealed yourself to me in the person of Jesus 
and through the scriptures. I'm satisfied with you, God. That's what meets the need. And Isaiah 58, 11 says this, and the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. So even when I'm experiencing pain and travail, the scorched places, I can find refreshment in him. I'm not sure we really believe that. I mean, really. Because we go about trying to get all this stuff over here. I mean, what does that look like, really? What does that look like? Because it sure seems like I'm scurrying about over here where all the stuff is. All worried about losing this stuff, grabbing onto it, trying to get more of it, trying to just keep piling it up, right? And, and again, don't hear me say it's bad. I'm not saying that. I'm saying the love of it. I'm saying trying to get it to do stuff it's not designed to do. I think we can enjoy that. But there's, there's parts of us that need something more. And not even, not even a spiritual community even, or a spouse. Things that are, would, would be dear to us can, can touch that. We're talking about the very reality of God in our lives, his presence filling our hearts. Now, I don't have... A secret of success here. I'm not have five things you need to do to access the presence of God. I just know this. In my experience, it hasn't happened without the word of God, without prayer and a lot of time. And, 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 and humbling myself before him. The only as the creation gazes at our creator can our hearts find that which we were designed for. And when the creation looks at its creator in adoration and confession and repentance, thanksgiving, and then our hearts are set to true north. And even in those scorched places, we're going to drink waters that satisfy the soul. So what I want us to do today is just enjoy his presence, to worship, to pray, to humble ourselves before God, it matters not your posture. It matters not what instruments are playing. It matters not what building you're in. But I think what God calls us all to do is to enjoy his presence. And that's what I want us to do for the rest of the morning. Just to enjoy his presence. To drink it in.